and welcome to the Bounce Back Podcast with Uncle Tim. We've got so much to talk about. Our guest is a Hollywood hero who keeps all our drinks full from Santa Monica to Pasadena. I'm talking about A.J. Sacker, manager of the famous Barney's Beanery. I'm with Chad Cat, LJ, we're here at State Social House on Sunset Boulevard. And the first question I'm going to ask you, A.J., is... Did you survive the hurricane? The hurricane. It was it was tough. It was really tough getting through it. What a joke. What a joke. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about oh the hurricane. God. I mean, it's just there's there are I, I don't want to I, I don't want to. Uh, there were some people who had some big problems east of us. Sure. But the response was ridiculous. We had a category five hype for a tropical The earthquake depression. was the worst part for sure. The, or, yeah, I guess. Yeah, in Ojai, right? It was like, was well, it 5-1? I mean, no, I mean, I just felt it. And, like, I hate earthquakes. So, for me, that was the worst part but of, like. No, I know. No. But it was just, like, I first of all, I just knew there was. When they were, like, oh, there's, like, a category four hurricane coming. I'm, like, we're having an earthquake. That's we're pretty tough, happen. though. If we so can handle a hurricane and an earthquake, we're pretty tough. They scheduled it perfectly, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, not yeah. during football. <laughs> yes. We're just going to get this hurricane in right at the end of the summer <laughs> yes. on a Sunday, slow news day. <laughs> Be able to close school the next day. That was that. Stupid. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I mean, it just it's. Uh, but it's, they close schools on Monday. Everybody, like every county, or what? Los the Los Angeles public schools closed, and then they put pressure on a bunch of the private schools to close because it's only fair, right? Well, if one no, school has to close, everybody who has went to, to close. private school. No, fuck that. Like I. I get that because we hated. Tell our audience where you went to private school. Minnesota, Minneapolis. Uh, So there's a lot of precipitation in Minneapolis. Never, it's crazy. (laughs) Yes, yes. There's a lot of fucking snow, and I never missed a day of school ever, 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 ever. Yeah. And like the public school kids would get it off, and we would truck to school, and it would suck. Whatever, it's fine. But I like the mentality of it, and at the same time, if I'm sure you guys all remember. When you, when there was a snow day or something, you would sit and you would watch the TV with the school clothes yeah, at the your, bottom of the TV. Day, cold, but it always yeah. happened in the morning. And yeah. LA County called that like the day before. They're like, oh, tomorrow we're gonna close, school, close schools. Why? No. It was fucking 85 and sunny here yesterday. They, it, it, they had nothing I to, hiked, it, it was great. It had nothing to do with these kids. I mean, no. the, 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 the frustrating thing, and I have a daughter, <laughs> and so I'm like, trying to get her through life and, and, and learn a little bit learn a little bit about perseverance yeah. in the face of uh, right. adversity <laughs> right and then there there's there is some bad rainstorms but we didn't get wind it wasn't hurricane level no wind. wind there was no there wind there was no wind my windows were open all of sunday and they made the decision prior to the rain coming we're just going to close the yeah schools. no this is no the problem now since all this all the closure happiness that we've had over the past few years is now Closing schools is now a first response, not yeah. last resort. Yeah. It is just what they and do And these now. kids are stupid because they didn't go to school for three years already. Stupid kids. These poor kids, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, it's 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 bad. It's bad. They'll per- persevere because they're kids, and hopefully they don't listen to these adults anyway. Well, so. just not for nothing, I walked to state in the eye of the hurricane in shorts, no umbrella. You guys I- were open. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Everybody was open. Right? Was there a lot of people at the bar? No. Yeah. Oh, when it... When it when I was walking through it, people were honking the horns like, you fucking asshole, because I'm just, it, I was in the heart of it, just trucking along. You mean my, like in the rain? Like yeah. a normal, like if you're in New York and you had to go to work, like you, no one normal? Bro, no one bro, um, just, just eating I don't it. even own one. So, so yeah. I mean, I get in and Chad's like, did you jump in a pool? I'm like, dude, I was gambling. I thought like I could, because it wasn't raining when I left my house. Yeah. And then I got to the locust point of I'm halfway from home and I'm halfway to state. 
I haven't walked in the rain or sang in the rain in 25 years. And it was kind of refreshing. You know what I mean? It was warm. It was yeah. like, what, 80 degrees and all? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of sucked when I walked in here because the air conditioning hit me. But then downstairs, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. So, like, I, now, listen, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I do have a little bit of trauma. Okay. I went to a Catholic school in Narstown, Pennsylvania on Buttonwood Street. And as a child in first grade, how old are you in first grade? Five, six, ten, only six, six. Six. Yeah. Yeah, six. Dude, they would make us stand outside in the wintertime. Like, you'd have like- an hour. Yeah, for fucking recess? freezing cold. Yeah. No, no. Oh. And then you'd say the ple- pr- pledge allegiance. But I'm talking but it like character, right? Uh, did it? It's traumatizing. I no, hate the cold. Not. I was like, duh, 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 duh. And well, they could have just let us in. And then sometimes we'd go in, and the fucking heat wouldn't work. Like yeah, think about that. You have no yeah. fucking heat. Yeah. And it's it's Philadelphia. It's 35 or under. Sometimes it's 20. You know, and your parents were just That's like, ah, oh, you're older. That's warm. Oh, it was rough. So that. That was a little unacceptable. I mean, but the whole Catholic <laughs> church, when, I mean, school when I went to was, it was rough, dude. It, it was, rough. I don't want to get down that. Like, I was robbed. Like, I wanted to go to school and learn. Forget it. There was pervert priests. Fucking nobody had a scholastic degree. You know, everybody was fucking old. It was just, it was gross. It was just, man, zero to fucking. How do you really feel, Tim? Oh, I don't feel good about that place. But well, you, tur- you turned out all right. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> you see the way I drink? <laughs> Fuck the pain away. Uh, anyway, let's get back to why you're really here. So I just learned that you're not a California native. Tell us, you know, where you're from. Obviously, you got to be somewhere where there's precipitation, like Katia. Yeah. And how did you get into the restaurant business or the bar industry and get to Juicy Lucy? Uh, Give me that little story. And the other question I always have for people is like, was it a family thing? Like, was your mom and dad or your brothers in the industry? So you take it away. So I, I grew up in uh, in Alexandria, Virginia, which is right outside D.C. I was just sort of a, a D.C. kid. And um, I started I in in early in high school. I got a job as a busboy in a restaurant and just made some made a little bit of cash. And right. I remember that first the first summer that I was doing that, it's gonna betray my age a little bit. I, it was the year that John Daly won the British Open. Oh my so God. So whatever that was, like 92 or something. And this is what, just in Virginia or is it a beach town or like a summer no, resort? No, just in Virginia, it's just this little, it was like a strip mall bar Okay. in Virginia. But I just remember the feeling of the, the there was like all the guys around the bar and the bartender and back then it was, a little tougher, you know, the bartender yeah, yeah, yeah. wouldn't really talk to you. They just hit you where they, where they wanted you to go. They just knock you, knock you out of the way. But you get this, this sense of shared experience and camaraderie and these people who are coming together from whatever, wherever they're dealing with the other things in their lives, they come to this little spot and, and have this time together and communicate together. And it seems like trite in, in the sense of it just being this, you know, these guys drinking at a bar. But it was really important to them to have this connection with with all these people that they cared about and just get a break from everything else. Yeah. And I like the energy of that. I really like the energy with that. I, I also like the energy, like I busboy too, is people from all walks of life and all age, you're on this shift and you're bonding together yeah. to get through or the you shift. Hate each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that could be true too, but I was fortunate enough that like, I mean, I, I, I had friends when I was like 15 that were like 25 because we worked together. And then when you were done, you would go get wings and yeah. beer and celebrate. Yeah. So that I loved that bonding and camaraderie. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's probably the most 
relevant in the bar industry or like the catering industry where it's like, this is the shift. This is my team. The goal is to get to the end of the night and have everybody served full, drunk and happy without any kind of problems. Well, it's an interesting business too, because our successes and failures are daily, if not shorter. Like there's a lot of businesses where you're, you're, your, your successes come after a long time. Like, God forbid you're a lawyer and you could be working on a case for two, three years and lose. That's just devastating. That's just such a miserable (laughs) profession for all those reasons. But we can have like a terrible day or a terrible shift and the next one can be great. Just these, these little individual transactions and, and these little points of connection with people and just making them feel good. If you falter, if it goes wrong, if somebody doesn't show up, if, it starts raining <laughs> like you can turn it around and you can you can you can make you can it sounds cheesy but you can make lemons out of lemonade you can make back. lemonade you out of lemons back. every single day well it is the best way i i think everyone should work at a restaurant first of all in yes. your life 1000% because it teaches you so much about a lot of different things but also it's the best sales technique like you just said like uh upsell on a lemonade can make or break a day like you know that's that's very that's an extreme example, but it can. And, and it teaches various sales techniques that I think you can use in all aspects. Well, you life. also, the other thing too, especially on, this, on the sales side, like the bartenders and the servers, you have to have amnesia. Yeah. Going from table to table yep. to table, customer to customer. You, you can't carry, good or bad, you can't carry it with you. You can't be too high or can't be too low because you'll screw up the next service, the next presentation to the next customer, the next sale. And, and that's going to ruin the impression of the entire establishment forever. It's going to ruin the entire experience, yeah. both for the staff and for the customers. Mm-hmm. Short term me- memory. Yeah. huh? These are they're just little important things, but you have to be able. It's all about, you know, to get back to the, the stupid storm and closing things. You have to persevere. You yeah. have to keep going. If you there's Were your TV's knocked gone. out. What's that? Were your TVs knocked out in that storm on Sunday? We, we had a little in and out. Some of the other locations, which is more ridiculous. So. Again, to come from, I I get so mad at Spectrum because I'm from Minnesota, and they'll be like, uh, "This this winter, my internet was out for like 24 hours," and I'm like, "It's raining." Like, I have blizzards in Minnesota, and Spectrum can work in Minnesota. How the fuck does it not work yeah. with a little rain? In Los Angeles. It makes no sense. Yeah, it was it was weird. We lost a little bit of signal. But we lost a little signal here, but it, it, it came fine. back when it mattered. Yeah. You just get, you have a, you, you have a whole lot of service providers and you just dance between them. You do the I guess it was, the, was it the wind. I mean, there, like, the, there was not, no wind. Yeah, maybe not. There was no wind. I had my windows open the entire day. Yeah, I mean, don't get me started. I was worried there would be wind because that would have yeah, been, there that that moments, been different. Yeah, I mean, there was like moments, I, but like, There's you're nothing. right. There was no like dangerous. In comparison to like, anywhere else and oh, you yeah. think about a hurricane like in in west hollywood like i know there's mudslides and everything else in in other california but well it's the it's the it's the hype machine yeah they're still calling it a hurricane it was a tropical, a storm. tropical storm but if you go to the la times right now they talk about it as it being a hurricane yeah it's like yeah, yeah and i have i mean this winter i i remember it rained like two to four days like just thunderous yeah, that rain was wild and the snake plants that i have in my pat on my patio just the rain beat them down yeah and they're like a pretty tough mm-hmm. plant mm-hmm. so it's like yeah this didn't compare to anything like yeah. that no not yeah. at all so yeah those are you know we we, we persevere you, you persevere going going transaction transaction you hope that you can make that environment 
that's that's great for the customers and you keep uh, AJ, how would you describe because I often try to describe but I'm not doing it well <laughs> to people that don't live in Los Angeles how would you describe Barney's Beanery what's the best way to describe Barney's Beanery so a great question one of the <laughs> I think the the neat thing about it's the magical thing about Barney's sure yes is, what is the magical thing I love that is that it feels like a place where you're from wherever that is it's this uncanny thing where you walk in. It doesn't matter where you're from. And Los Angeles is full of people from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you're from. You walk into Barney's and there's a sense of familiarity, even if it's your first time. And you can't pinpoint it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just the hard to That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But it has that kind of feel. And it's very, you'll talk to people who moved here. A lot of, I meet people all the time who are like, Barney's is the first place I went to when yeah. I got to LA. And there's a reason for that because they're new here. They they know somebody or met somebody. L.A. could be L.A. could be cold and lonely when you first get here oh, and yeah. lonely. It takes a little while, and they meet somebody along the way who says, "You know what? You should check out Barney's because they you'll walk in there and you'll feel all right. Yeah, you'll meet some people. Things will get rolling for you." And it's been that way for a hundred years. It is consistent and it's a staple because I I've been going there since '99, and it's like you said, it's still holds that familiarity of it. But it's, the other magic is, it's you go into this place, this is such a good, great question, great answer. Because you made me get nostalgic. Then you go into this place, you feel like, wow, this is like kind of like a local bar from wherever I am. I'm from Philadelphia, this is like a, like a bar outside. But then someone's like, oh, you ever hear of Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix? Yeah, they sat right there. They drank. No way. What'd you study in college? Art. Oh, mid-century modern artist, Ed Rache. And then you'll be there one day and Gerard Butler will cruise in. Or So it gives you, for me, it's the familiarity of being in a bar that I know, but also I made it to Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm in LA, LA right now, and this fucking yeah. bar is, is proof. Quentin Tarantino wrote Pulp Fiction in a booth at, at Barney's Beanery. Like, those yeah. types of things where you're like, oh, that's the reason that people come here. And then those people were also able to, like, live out the dream of the reason that they came here. And Barney's played a role in it. But they also come to, they also come to be like everybody else. I mean, if you go through the history of Barney's, right, so it starts off in the, in the, in 1928, it moved to its location where it is now. And then over the next decade was really the Great Depression and the, and the Dust Bowl and people migrating, migrating west. And, and Barney's was to stop because it's on Route 66. It was just the end of the road. <laughs> That's yeah, great, too. Road. That's yeah. another one, dude. Yeah. It's another and, nugget. And 10 years after that, some of those people became famous. I mean, that's yeah. why they came out here. But you still go back to Barney's to have that sort of time and space before it was a thing, before you had to call ahead and paparazzis out front and all those sort of things. And, and what's been great about Barney's is it still retains that. People come there who big, successful, famous people, but when they come in, they just grab a booth like everybody Nobody else. Nobody's going to say, yeah. People don't bother them. It's not a thing. And that's part of the magic of it. There's, there are other places. There's plenty of other places in town to go when you're going to do that thing with bodyguards and, yeah. and cameras and all that kind of stuff. That's not what people come to Barney's for. Is that still true? Because you guys are having a crazy young social media explosion at Barney's. Now there's like lines down the street. Is that still true of people's behavior? Like people are still not approaching people in like a creepy way? Yeah, no, people are really cool. I mean, we, we've we had, you know, we'll have new staff from time to time. And one thing that's popped out recently is that 
we'll have a, a new server on and some of these, you know, big figures will see them and come up to them and welcome them to Barney's. Oh my God. Like <laughs> introduce themselves to say, oh, you must be new. I'm so-and-so. Well, of course you're so-and-so. Yeah. And it's just that, it's just that kind of vibe. And um, in general, there's, there's like an unspoken code. People yeah. are very respectful about other people's privacy or why they're there or what they're not there for. People call the restaurant all the time asking if somebody's there. Staff's not going to tell you that. Right. Yeah, yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no Call no. back later. No, I, I'm laughing now. You, again, you got, you're triggering me. Uh, Chauncey, I'm sitting at the one end of the bar, and she's like, your buddy from uh, Shameless is here. I'm like, who, Jeremy? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, don't bother him. Just buy him a drink on me. She buys him a drink. He comes right down. He's like, dude, what have you been up to, baby? I'm like, did Shameless finally got cast. And I heard about you on The Bear. He's like, have you seen it? I'm like, no, I haven't watched great it. Show. You know, it's a great show. Yeah. And he, he, he's like, get Hulu. You'll love it. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll sign up for Hulu. But it's like, how cool is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? That guy was like the hottest fucking actor this past year. So, yeah, that kind of shit does happen, man. Yeah, it's, it's really, it goes back to some, some general bar basics, which you want to always have in an establishment. One of them being like, nobody's good time can negatively affect somebody else's. Yeah. Those are the parameters. I mean, Barney's is, you know, it's the the level of conduct is, is pretty high. <laughs> as long as it doesn't negatively impact somebody else, that's the threshold. And it doesn't matter if you're famous or not famous. It doesn't matter if you're approaching somebody who you shouldn't approach, no matter what their level of importance is, you can't do that. You can't, you can't right. bother people. Right. You can't, that's when it's time to go. And everybody is generally respectful of that because that's the environment that they're coming for it's weird because there is a code that i picked up on pretty early when it comes to celebrities and it's like like i i i'm a fan of people all the time sometimes celebrities come in that i don't know who they are i don't care but sometimes there are and you do have to kind of be able to read the room a little bit yeah if you approach somebody you can kind of tell in their body language they don't want a picture they want or i always tend to just have a bartender or a host just say hey Bader said, what's up, wants to buy you a drink. And then it puts the ball in their court if they want to see you or not. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen some people just like broach stars and it's just like, you do kind of feel sorry, like bad for them a little bit. Yeah. You do, it's, it's definitely not what they're coming to Barney's for. No. Right. So, no. uh, but in general. So don't go up to people if you go to Barney's. <laughs> no, just be, <laughs> just be cool. Be cool, man. Just be cool. Just be so cool. then that, I mean, honestly, the that's the original one, the West Hollywood one? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's gotta Oldest be. Oldest bar in LA, it's right? It's gotta be the It's best. one of them now. I mean, there's just not as many as there used to was be. it? 28. So 20. it was originally in Berkeley, California. It was right outside the Berkeley okay. College campus and it started there in 1920. And then the original owner, whose name was John Barney. Anthony Barney, he uh, he moved it where it is now in 1928, and he he did make chili, right? That's why it was called the Beanery. That was his thing, was that, the, and that was, was Columbo. Chili. It was a little chili hut. Yeah, I watched Columbo all the time. Yeah, Col- uh, you yeah. know. Except I didn't, you know. Uh, I'm going to name drop Jim Burton's the one that had to point it out to me because Barney's got revamped, didn't it? What do you mean? Like they moved I, the kitchen. They, they moved. moved they, the... they just well, it was tiny. It was really small. The building is much bigger now than it used to be. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right when you walk in the front door, you can if you walk sort of uh, a couple booths in, you look up and you see where the old hood was because it was it was more like a diner counter. Right. Yeah. Because when when Barney's was let's see if things line up right. When <laughs> Barney's opened, I think we were still in Prohibition. We were coming out of it. Okay. The bar came a little later. 
like the full bar. And then that was separated by a wall. I don't know if you remember the wall. I Well, because of the TV show. I, I mean, I, I didn't recognize it until I really looked. And yeah. then I could see logistically how they, they swapped. Then in the, in the late 60s is when they built, built back... And it became much bigger. It used to be much. It used to be just much tinier. But yeah. it was a poinsettia field. I mean, there was nothing else there at that time when Barney's open. Santa Monica Boulevard was dirt road. <laughs> yeah, it's so wild. It's crazy. It's so wild. It's crazy. It has, it's stood the test of time. And now football season's upon us. Yes, that is which when is where Barney shines. Every bar does. I uh, mean, come on, <laughs> it's where everyone gets out of the red and into the black. Yeah. Greatest season of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's August is the worst, right? Like I'm yeah, so excited July, that August are the doldrums it's of summer. The worst. At least in LA, because everyone goes somewhere. I know, because no one's yeah. here. I hate, I, I hate summer in LA. It's like the biggest. Yeah, it is kind of, and either the same it. with the holidays. Yeah, but see, I'm well, not. I a, like the holidays here because it's really quiet. Well, that's what I like. Yeah, so, you know, and Shane, like a lot of people, again, I, I have to talk about this Shia LaBeouf thing. He said he had all these quiet Christmases, and like his dream is to have like a lot of friends and his family. He's got a daughter now too, and I, uh, I laugh because I come from the madness of a hundred people at a Christmas party. You were at one of my mm -hmm. sisters. That's just, that's it. Like I welcome the city to just clear out. Yeah. It's got a peace and quiet to it. And I don't really like cold. So it's never really that cold in LA, but to each their own, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, my mom sent me so many uh, Christmas decorations and ornaments and I've just sold all of them oh or given them away. God. I don't, my fucking, the depression den it's, it's, impervious to seasons it never changes it looks like uh what's the hotel oh god homewood suites homewood suites. it's a homewood suite and no matter if you're there for christmas or the dead of july nothing changes and nothing will change until the dog goes because he's it's his house too he just turned 11 <laughs> well talking about like a touch of home when i heard you guys were doing this little guy juicy lucy this is truly a touch of home for me yeah because the juicy lucy was invented in my hometown of south minneapolis which is where i grew up in actual south minneapolis so um i mean i had to know how you guys even ha put this on the map or put, came out into your radar so um one of our one of the partners was they were traveling through the midwest and 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 came across the this is over 10 years ago and just because it's so prevalent in that part of the country, came across this burger. For people who don't know, the Juicy Lucy is a cheese stuffed burger patty. That's and good. It started in, uh, well, I guess there's some debate, but it's either the 5A Club or Matt's Bar. Matt's right? Bar. And everyone has their, well, most people have their preference. I'm right. a Matt's Bar. Wait, hold, Matt's on, bar hold on. Hold on. I got to oh, rewind yeah. this for a second. So you're telling me it started either at a place called Matt's Bar. Matt's Bar. Or the five eight club. So nobody can prove there's a, there's always a. Is debate. there one that's better than the other? It depends. Everyone has a. It's a just like Pats and Geno's. Every Either, city has yep. two right. fucking right. restaurants. Yep. They're like no. Well, Pats was the first. I still think it's the best, but some people like see? Geno's. Yeah, so. exactly. No so one I, can I love these kind of. Out. See now, if I'm ever in Minnesota, I'm gonna have to go to both of them. That's okay. exactly what this is, and so we just it's just a just a fabulous recipe. It's a cheese stuffed burger patty. And wait, did they have Matt's Bar or Five Eight Club? I believe they had both. I love but it. everybody's <laughs> doing them now. I mean, there was there's another one. I think Blue Door. That, that's LJ's favorite. Right, is Blue Door. Right, the Nook is good. It's um, just it is a it is a it is a part of Minneapolis culture. It is, and it's like it's very. I mean, Matt's bar, I still think is like cash only and they like never clean the griddle, which they say is what, you know, kind of makes the 
I live so shit amazing. for I, I, Yeah. Every time I go to a new city, there I talk to the concierge. What's the oldest restaurant? What's the oldest bar? I don't need to go to anything new. Well, we got to take a field trip. We'll go to, we'll we got to go to Minneapolis. T- try all these. Oh, yeah. Well, I would love to, dude. So we we put it on the menu at Barney's like a decade ago and just had a Juicy Lucy And did on people there. order it back then? Yeah. Okay. People, we had to we had to talk about it to anybody who didn't know about it and what is this thing and, and you know, we, but it was really popular as far as, you know, in our lineup of different burgers. And so when... We had a couple different recipes that we were doing. And then when the pandemic hit and we're twiddling our thumbs because we can't run our business because more closures. Uh. Luckily, it wasn't also raining at that time. (laughs) So we thought, like, how do we what can we do? What can we do to get some of our products out to out to the out to the customers? Because they can't come into the restaurant right now. And we're sort of looking at different things. And what we what we noticed was that there are no. Juicy Lucy burgers that you can buy from Frozen. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't find them, and so we thought, well, this is something. This is a this is a market that needs a product. Like yeah. this is something that we can do, and it took us a couple years because it's actually the reason it's not out there is because it's kind of tricky to do. I mean, you have to come up with a recipe that's going to work from Frozen, and then you have to come up with a, a the machinery process that's going to be able to do this. And it took us a while, but. I think we nailed it. Yeah. And so now we have this product now and it's it debuted in stores. It's exclusively at Stater Brothers Markets around Los Angeles and Orange County and Riverside and San Diego and, and San Bernardino. We have three different flavor uh, flavors. We've got our jalapeno ch- cheddar stuffed uh, patty. We've got our three cheese patty. And we've got our barbecue bacon cheddar. Yeah, that was the back. first one we had. That I, so, least I had. I was on. And they're unreal. and they're and honestly, I, not 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 just because it's 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 what I'm doing. It is the best frozen burger patty you can buy. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's the wait. biggest. It's the best. There's nothing. It is a premium burger patty. So I have to read you guys this morning. I was looking up just kind of the history of Juicy Lucy 2, just reminding and I'm like, I don't even know like where the name comfort came from. So I have a quote that like I have to share with you guys. Um, apparently, the legend has it. Some guy was like a big pain in the ass and he requested this type of burger and that's at at 5'8 or Matt's Bar or whatever. And this is the most Minnesota thing for anyone listening that I've ever heard. Um, so it says, as legend has it, after biting into the burger, that pain in the ass exclaimed that, quote, that's one juicy Lucy. And apparently because this was the 50s and that it was the dirtiest thing anyone had had said in Minnesota in years. And that's like the most Minnesota thing you've ever heard. Um, the other thing about Minnesota is that like they can't handle spice. So that if, if you've ever um, ordered a Bloody Mary in Minnesota, you get a beer back called a snit. And it's the only place in America that you'll get that because the legend has it that like Minnesotans can't handle spice. So they need like the beer chaser to drink. The I, interesting. I, I am loving this history yes. lesson. This yeah. cat, that's cool. This is like this is a powerful oh, show. Yeah, this is my this is my <laughs> I mean, hometown. This is what it is. Skull, skull, Swartzen, take that. Yeah. Matt's bar. Matt's and bar. the replacements is my favorite yep. band of all time. What's the, the famous place they play all the time? Uh, the uh, first half. First half. And the Eagles won in Minnesota. That's right. It's <laughs> all coming to fruition. Yeah. Hey, do you think um, when you cook these, is it better on a grill or a fry? 
I like, man, that's tough because it's good both ways. I like them um, on a griddle, like on a flat Yeah, I, I mean, okay. I, that's, I prefer that's most of my like burgers. that's kind of like the traditional for like a smash burger, right? It was like griddle. Yeah, and you'll, you'll see that often just in, too, in restaurants. I mean, I'm just used yeah. to like the restaurant style. But if you're at home, like most people are going to throw it on a grill, right? I don't know. You could, but you could also do it in cast yeah, iron pan fry, on yeah. the stove. Yeah. Cast iron pan on the stove is phenomenal. See, so many things we can talk about here. Mm -hmm. We kind of skipped over like your resume from like busboy to Juicy so, Lucy. Yeah, we went, we were all over the place. We're I think we're affected by the hurricane that we had this weekend. We so when I in my when I was a kid, when I was a kid <laughs> until until really my late twenties, my my major pursuit was music. I just I I played a bunch of instruments. It's all I did, and I went from. Uh, Virginia to New Orleans, and I lived in New Orleans for five years. And went some to of the greatest there. musicians you probably ever witnessed in it's your life in New Orleans. It's unbelievable. Your your mailman's the best sax player you've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, you just <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. Awesome. So it was a wonderful place to do that. And um, because I was a struggling musician, I spent most of my time working in restaurants, and that's all that I did. It was you know, restaurant job is a great job if you're pursuing something else mm -hmm. for sure. And so I did that bars, restaurants, coffee shops in New Orleans. And then I was working with a songwriter who was from here. She moved back here and we were sort of sending stuff to each other. And um, it was the stuff we were working on was just better than anything I was working on there. So I moved here and continued to pursue pursue music but same kind of thing i found myself again in the restaurant business yeah i mean but and like you said i was pretty good at it so it just kind of grew i mean i i at that time barney's was uh just one location oh really yeah and so um what year is this when you're making make, are you a singer songwriter or like what was your what was your if you're writing songs i'm not a i'm not a singer I just so don't piano have, or I don't guitar? Pipes. I played. I grew up primarily as a drummer. If I had to make my living doing an instrument, it would be okay. Drums. But I play guitar, piano. So you just harmonica. do it all. So you write melodies. I'm sort of like an all-purpose kind of guy. You know, yeah, I would yeah. jump in different projects and 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 help out with different things. I was good at arranging. I was really good. What at What year is this? Because I'm dying to know. Like, so when you're... I moved here in 2000. Okay. And, and there was only one Barney's in 2000. Yeah. That's crazy to think of. Why like, is now there's five, You and I are right? doing it at the same time. Yeah. So I was That's here. So I actually I had a few gigs here when it was Red before Rock. it was before it was state. What Red Rock? When it was Red Rock nice. upstairs. <laughs> I just play there. I played everywhere. I mean, it's just the LA thing, right? You play everywhere. My first acoustic night was Highland Grounds. Remember that place? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they called me Tim Badore. It was the greatest <laughs> spelling of my last name. Man, all I haven't time. thought about they made that place in years. I know, dude. Imagine that. Did you ever play the Temple Bar? That yes. was on that side of town. Coconut oh, yeah. Teaser. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll drop hat. Like, dude, John D'Amico and I were like talking about these places. What, what was Riley's? Used to be uh, the oh, cat. The, nah. Oh, yeah. It was like uh, the, it wasn't not, a dead cat, but it was something no, like that. Not, it was the stray cat drummer, Slim Jim, God rest his soul. What was that place called? God damn it. I, I played there. It, uh, it wasn't. No, that's nah, across the street. No, it had a different. Oh, it really? might have been, but you know, Lemmy was in there every day playing the trivia before he went to the Rainbow. Right. Because right. that guy lived next door to me when I was there. I mean, dude, so many places. The yeah. Roxy I played and shit like that. I think the only place I didn't play, for real, was the Whiskey. I think I shot a commercial there, but anyway, I digress. I also say that you and I got here at the worst time, 
Because if you remember, Napster came out. Yeah. And everyone was getting music for free. And the record label took a monster hit. Everything screwed up. Everybody screwed up. Because I remember talking to one of the lawyers. They said the last traditional record deal that you and I were going for was Kid Rock. It was two yeah. albums and a quarter of a million dollar advance. And then, dude, it was so tough. Like, you had to be either on an indie label and have like a built in. Well, the last, the, the real problem with that, I mean, not to just digress completely. <laughs> but, but come on, here we are. <laughs> it was the death of the music scene. Yes. Like, not, not the music scene here per se, but just the death of a music. Because prior, at, at that time and everything before that, if you wanted to be known, you had to play good clubs and if yes. you wanted to play good clubs viper had, room and all that if shit. you want to play good clubs you had to play shitty clubs right and sell those out and through doing that you're part of a you're part of this scene you're trying to get on the bill with bigger bands you're learning the ropes you see great bands play and you're like man that's what we have to be able to do to play here yes and and talent just elevates other talent cream of the crop it yeah. just raises yeah. itself up and so that's why you would see these music scenes over the you know over the course of of popular music just get harvested right like whether it was Seattle San Francisco a few times L A a few times last time that happened in L A was when like it was right around that time it was when like System of Down and Incubus and how oh, there are a couple others but it was, was like Lincoln a Park scene. from here Lincoln Park was kind of Lincoln Park was here Lincoln I think Park they were more of like um not put together, but I think there was there was a little bit more. Yeah, they were the well, they got Chester because yeah. they were the most uh, rejected band before they got a ma really? major label I didn't know that. ever, wow. ever until they hired Chester, mm -hmm. and they kept and they kept changing their band names and putting out the same demos and getting rejected, and it it just worked with that guy mumbling and then Chester singing, you know, yeah. blah, 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 and they finally got it, dude. So you just—it's—it's it's a little lost now because that same pipeline. Now the pipeline for getting known is you put yourself on YouTube. I know. You know, it's just not okay. So I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves because usually you ask at the end. But AJ, like having seen the music scene for so long in LA, what do you believe needs to happen in Los Angeles for the music scene to bounce back? I don't. I mean, I don't. Know. That's a really good question because I the the. The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow isn't the same anymore. It's just not, you know, you these these things sort of grew organically because they were fostered by this possibility of great success at the end. And you don't get that from playing live. Um, I think that from an individual venue standpoint, and there are venues in LA that totally do, like the Hotel Cafe is one where oh, yeah. they just commit. We're we're just we're not gonna have bad music. Mm -hmm. We'll be we'll we'll close That up. was a home base of mine. We'll close up, we'll shutter before we we have like bad bands yeah and so what you need is is just more that you need a scene of of places where there's some there's just there's just they develop their own scene a reliable scene of great music like there's there's those places where if you and i wanted to go see music we knew we could go to places it didn't matter who was playing it'd be a good it's, scene it would be good you would just go and you would know all the people too. new orleans still has that's what new orleans yeah, has. yeah. i'm probably nashville too i mean Nash oh, yeah. nashville, nashville was pretty that. amazing when i was there i think you just need to foster the scene honestly so los angeles music scene dead. what would be really great is there's probably some there's probably some hybrid Right. Where you take a venue that's really committed to live music and they create their own media presentation, whether it be a YouTube channel or a you, you mesh 
you mesh the way people that's are promoting themselves now idea. with a music venue and that becomes the hot spot. That's a great idea. And to get on that bill, you got to be legit. <laughs> We're going down a rabbit hole. I love it. And that would that would be the kind of thing because, you know, it's L.A. You have to have the hype. You have to have that part of it. And so if you if you were able to foster it in that way, yeah. you could bring it back. Um, That's brilliant. I have a couple. There's there's no artists that I know that are famous that ever enjoy playing Los Angeles, even like the Hollywood <laughs> Bowl or the Greek theater, because most of the tickets get gobbled up yeah. by industry people that are too cool to sing the song or yeah. they cheer and their hands are there, you know. I mean, if you get to like a Bruce Springsteen or like an Ed Sheeran, you're selling out the Hollywood Bowl, okay, sure. that's different. But if you're ascending, you're getting a lot of industry people that are like either, it's probably some A&R guy that didn't sign you, so he's kind of rooting against you, but he has to be there. Like, I don't want to say who I saw, but I just saw an artist perform at the Fonda, and I'm watching this person's tour and it's like insane. Like they're singing every word of this person's song. And I, I'm smitten watching it. But I was like, man, this is kind of a lukewarm audience. They're really yeah. not giving this person that, that much. And that being said, too, I went to the Fonda. I love this guy, Sam Fender. They call him the Bruce English Bruce Springsteen. And the difference between the person I just saw and he, there's five people on the stage. There's a drummer. A uh, sax player, uh, two guitar. He plays guitar and maybe a piano player. And that rock band filled up the stage. Whereas this last person was like, they had a drummer, a keyboard player, and a singer. And it felt like there was a lot of space. So when Sam went on, this is the other thing I just fucking blew. It was such an English thing. Just go up there, stand tall. Play your fucking guitar and mow the audience down with the fucking hits. You don't have to do any fucking dance moves or shit. I mean, I'm talking rock and roll. That guy blew the fucking doors off of me. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think rock and roll shows have to be. Now, that being said, a lot of people play the computer and auto-tune. Mm -hmm. I want to, this, this kid, Luke Barnes, uh, Matt and Joe Barnes, I grew up with in Philadelphia. And the one kid likes to play guitar, like, really likes music like you do like play all the instruments not really doing the computer thing we take him up to the rainbow room and we take our shirts off and we get a shot with lemmy they were fucking fired up well, the kid put a record out and it sounds like a lo-fi indie kind of a back pavement like almost an anti post malone auto-tune just fucking don't care like a i was like so maybe the ears of the youth of today are going to climb back to that authentic, real, live recording sound opposed to auto-tuning and compressing everything to death. Well, yeah. I mean, I all those effects, and you know this from, from playing, they're just tools, but they're not... If you rely on that for your sound, or God forbid you rely on it for, for songwriting, you're done. Because a good song is a good song. Yeah. Mm. So, take, take everything you're doing with the arrangement out of it. Yep. You just sit there and sing it and play it on the piano. If it's a good song, it's a good song. It stands yes, on its own. 100%. And everything else is the presentation of the song. And when you're doing that live, it's the musicianship aspect and showmanship. Yeah. I mean, I the showmanship is a big thing. This is one of the, going back to New Orleans, this is the biggest thing I learned there. Because I didn't know, I didn't really get this fully coming out of high school. I learned how to play in front of people 
and put on a show. First time I sat in with a band in New Orleans, sat in, I go up and I play and number finishes and whoever the band leader was, guy says, all right, give it up for AJ. That was great. And I'm patting myself on the back. I think I'm so great. What I learned later is that if you're good, what they say is AJ's going to stay up here for another one. <laughs> but you never let the audience know anything went wrong. Yeah. And, you know, we have all these musicians coming in and out of Barney's all the time. And it's like you're talking to them about getting them hyped up for their shows. And it's like, no matter what happens, do not apologize. Yes. Yeah. Never apologize because the audience doesn't know. They don't know. And as soon as you tell them something went wrong, their experience is diminished. And yes. they're going to talk about it. Like, well, oh, just, I saw so-and-so and they fucked up. They well, told not even that. It. It's just a letdown. It's yeah. like, oh, I thought it was pretty good. Now you've told them, being the expert that you are, you're the one presenting it, that your show's not any good. Never do that. Dude, here's Never the, I, I love it. You're, you're, you're pumping me up right now. In fact, I would see bands like R.E.M. and U2 and The Stones, and if Peter Buck, like, fucked up the guitar, he would look at Mike Mills and they would laugh. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, my God, I saw that fucking moment. Like, in, like you said, never put a negative connotation on it. Oh, Just man. Just always pump it up. You know, I saw... Um, this was a few years ago. I saw Robert Plant at the Palladium and he was playing. He had a big arrangement. There was a lot of programming in, in addition to the live musicians. And it's Robert Plant, right? Yeah, like, come on. There's no bigger pro, right? And so in between songs. <laughs> Are we in a like dentist's now, office? <laughs> in between songs, some, some programming loop started. Right. And you could see all these guys in black scrambling around trying to figure it out it was, it was something went wrong and within about eight seconds he sort of looks and he this recognition that like okay they don't know what it is they're going to figure it out and without a word he goes up to the mic and he says you know what i think we can work with this and he starts singing improv to the loop in the key of the loop i'm horrified because i'm thinking like as soon as they find out what it is it's going to stop and he's going to be in the middle of something. Of course, he knows all this. <laughs> so he goes on for about 15 seconds and he's just singing. He's singing in the key of whatever this weird sound is. <laughs> and they find it and it stops. And he knows and he immediately resolves his resolves to the tonic, resolves to one. And the people who knew in the audience were like, oh, that's it. I, that's that's it for me. I, I can retire. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's not all. But the rest of the audience was just like, that's part of the show. This yeah. is great. This guy's amazing. You know, and that's that's musicianship. That's showmanship. That and is that's, showmanship. That's what you lose when you don't have a scene. When you don't have a live music scene. The musicians that are in that area, they're not getting that part of the education. Yeah. You know, that's 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 what hopefully is And that's probably why so many people are not even coming to Los Angeles on the music scene. Like they're just going straight to Nashville or Austin. Yeah. Austin, Nashville, and these places that still have these. Yeah. yeah. And New Orleans these really yeah. good. Well, you're scene. one of my favorite showmen in all of uh, Los Angeles, AJ. <laughs> so why don't you tell everybody where they can get the juicy Lucy and give everybody your Instagram handle. You got to go follow AJ. So, at juicy Lucy. At, follow at juicy Lucy. It's <laughs> at, at juicy underscore Lucy burgers is the Instagram handle. We are at state of brothers markets. There's 171 of them. All over L.A., San Bernardino, Riverside, San Diego. You can find it. All three uh, flavors are there. And it's phenomenal. Get a get a box. If another hurricane comes, stock up. <laughs> and uh, you won't regret it. They're the, they're the best burgers you can buy. And they go great 
with a bounce and back beer. And they go great with a bounce back beer. <laughs> Wash them right down. That's, that's a true you, story. That's all you need. That is a true story. All right. And then you can also get the Juicy Lucy's at, at Barney's Beanery. Come too. to Barney's, try it out. Come Thanks. visit AJ. He might do some drumming for you. Or we'll go to Schmitty's and can play piano. Then there I'll hold go. you to. Yeah, let's do it. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Man. Thank you. Thank you. This is a pleasure. Oh,